Hello, I'm John Kenny, the Relationship Guy, and Relationship Coach, helping people to create healthy, intimate relationships. Welcome to the show, the show where we talk about all things relationships with a mix of my own relationship ramblings and some great guests from all walks of life who will be discussing the importance of relationships to them. Hello, so my guest today is first of all and forever will be a student of the science of the mind and her mission is to help people to learn how to think so they can transform their lives and receive the freedom that they desire. She believes that it's everyone's God-given right to get exactly what they want out of life and your success is guaranteed when you understand and implement towards your goal the natural universal laws. Uh, Joining me all the way from British Columbia Welcome to the show, Angie Tomlinson. Hello, thank you, John. It's an absolute pleasure having you here. Um, that was a that was a nice introduction, I believe, but a very brief one. Um, <laughs> very nice. To tell the listeners more about yourself and what you do and how you help. Yeah, I have I have a coaching business that uh, I started a few years back in 2016. Um, I was at a point in my life where. I did everything right. (laughs) I grew up in the church, right according to me or according to what the environment that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I got, I, I, I did very well in school and then I went off to college and I met a really nice man and I got married and we had Mm -hmm. kids and um, I was in the middle of all of it, raising kids having both sets of family members from my husband's side and my side. And then in 2007, uh, everything came to a bit of a grinding halt. Okay. And so um, my husband and I, we had, we had been pastoring at a church beforehand. So we moved up to Canada. I actually am from the States, but we moved up to Canada. My husband's Canadian in 2001, just before 9-11. And the world began to change kind of dramatically from Mm. that point. I wasn't with my family. So going through a big crisis like that was really changing my mindset. And then by 2007, it was just an accident, but my father was 61 and he was killed by a train. And that was the first time I got introduced to something really traumatic like that. It was an accident, you know, it was it was an incredible event for me because that was an emotional impact in my life where our family changed the way or changed our family dynamic between my mother and my sister and my brother, even with my kids, because they were very close to their their grandpa. Right. And Um, I had learned some amazing lessons from my dad. One of the biggest lessons I learned from my dad, he was a logger and a mechanic. And he taught me, you have to work really hard for your money. And I really was. Um, Your money. Yeah, really working hard. My husband and I had two storefront businesses. And we were both working about 10 to 12 hours a day in these businesses. Uh, Had the weekends off, but... Our, our kids were going through grade school and it was tough to go through all of that. Mm-hmm. And 
but I kept going. I, I ended up right after my dad died. I didn't know how to deal with death. And so I just kept acting as if it didn't happen. And then about three or four months later, I had a kind of a crash and I really just went to bed for about four months. (laughs) And that was not good because I'm a pretty, you know, out there person, you know, I, I love doing things, but I found myself just a loss for life. I just couldn't understand what happened. I wasn't prepared for it. Mm. And then in 2012, once I got out of bed uh, and went back to work, I reestablished a different way of doing business for myself. And then in 2012, both my mother and my mother-in-law, who I'm very close with, I'm one of those weird people that I have a really great relationship with my mother-in-law, but my mother, my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law all got cancer in the same, about three or four months, they all got diagnosed. And that, I had never been faced with cancer before. Uh I've been faced with death in a big way with my father, but not, not kind of an illness. I didn't have Mm -hmm. any background in it whatsoever. And so my mother went through uh, sort of a a natural or went through treatment, you know, through the medical idea Mm -hmm. and my sister guided her through it. So I was really unattached to it, although I was, she was my mother and I'm very close to my mom. Mm -hmm. But uh, in 2013, my mother passed away and my father was 61 and my mother was 66. So here are these two very vibrant people who really mm. grounded me or tethered me to how life is supposed to be are now gone. Yeah. And I did not have sort of a stability in myself to know who am I now. And mm. then in 2014, uh, my mother, my mother-in-law's cancer really got bad and she passed away 2015. Okay. Um, but before she passed away, I know this sounds like a tragedy, but before she passed away, my brother-in-law, uh, my husband's um, my husband's brother, he was 40, uh, 44 and he dropped dead of a heart attack, unexpected. So he died in January and then my mother-in-law died in August. So I had multiple, multiple deaths all mm. at the same time. And then my children were graduating from high school and starting to leave home. Right. And saying, hey, yeah, (laughs) saying, I'm packing my backpack and I'm going to go across, you know, Europe. That's what my kids did. Yeah. And I had no capacity to even care. Right. I like, I had no capacity. I walked out of my business. I could no longer do it. I didn't know what I was going to do. I really was quite lost because if I'm not a daughter, if I'm not a mother, and if not, if I'm not a business owner, then what am I? Who am I? Yeah. And this was a a moment in time where I just didn't know how to find myself. And of course, I have a lovely husband, Matt, that I've been married to now for 33 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, I didn't even recognize him. He was going through it as well. Oh. His father moved in with us right after his mom died. Right. Um, so not only were we losing children, we had sort of this person that we needed to care for that really shut down in life as well. Hmm. And I just, I thought this, it was one of those moments where you thought, is this life even really worth living? Okay. And I had enough drive in myself that I knew that wasn't correct. 
That wasn't a correct way of thinking. And inevitably, I was very fortunate that I decided I was going to search online because church didn't make sense to me anymore. We had been pastors and we had resigned a few years prior, like in 2004. So I'm going back and forth. Sorry about that. But 2004, we were pastors and we resigned because of political things at church. And it just wasn't what I grew up with. So everything was changing, all these big stabilizing things. You know, the church wasn't there uh, Mm. how I wanted it to be. Parents aren't there. Kids aren't there. Job isn't there. And inevitably, I started looking for who am I? And I came across Bob Proctor. And I started listening to his stuff, which is so interesting because my paradigm or uh, my way of thinking is, especially growing up in the church, um, you know, you don't listen to outside voices. Mm. <laughs> like that just was. But yeah. Bob Proctor looked like an elder at church. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like he had on a suit, he had white hair, you know, he looked like an elder at church. And some yeah. of the things he talked about was spirituality, but in a different way. And it got past my um, paradigm of of listening and being open to something else. So I was open to receive. And through that experience, he began to teach me about uh, the science of the mind. And I think because of the spiritual aspect of myself of growing up in the church, it really resonated with me. And it resonated with me, and I knew there was truth spoken there. Right. And from that, I began to really study myself. I'd never really studied myself. I studied mm-hmm. what other people thought I should think. Okay. I studied religion. I studied the Bible. I studied... Um, you know, a lot of a lot of things about the church, church growth and development, being a pastor. But I the one thing I did not study was myself. Right. Yeah. Never studied myself. And you said when, and, when your parents they were guiding figures and your life was kind of led by what they believe was right for you. So this you said this yeah. is the first time you actually kind of started looking at yourself. I was 49. Wow. 49 years old. And I didn't know who I was. I just had no clue. So when I started studying with Bob, one of the very first things that I learned was this natural law. I started learning about the natural laws. And the first law that really resonated with me was the law of polarity. Okay. And the law of polarity in the natural state is that it just is. There is no meaning about it until I put a meaning to it. Yeah. And some of the meaning that I was putting towards things, I was really suffering. I didn't, especially when you grow up in the church and you know you're supposed to love everyone, but yet I had a lot of judgment and hate about things. Okay that I was supposed to help people, but only certain people. I was supposed to dress and talk a certain way, but only in a certain way. I could enjoy myself, but only in a certain way. And I had these lists, these exhaustive lists of life. And I I didn't have the freedom to express myself for a lack of income. Um, So I was really limited in that. I was really limited in what I thought I could do as a woman. I had a lot of messages about um, what a woman is. We are a helpmate. We're to remain silent. We're, you know, all of these things that I grew up in the church. Okay. And 
I didn't know my own worth or my own my own empowerment. Right. And it wasn't because my husband was taking it away because he grew up, he's supposed to be the head of the house. He's supposed to be the income earner. He's supposed to be all of this. Mm. But when my mother passed away and I realized I didn't have time to grieve, I had to work and I didn't want to work the way that I was working. I thought, then how am I going to earn income? I knew that the amount of income we were earning was not enough. We were going backwards. Okay. And as I began to study with Bob and study the law of polarity, that it is what it is. There is no meaning until I put meaning to it. If I can see it over here, no more effort is required in my mind to see it over here. Which one felt better? Right. And so I know this one and it didn't feel good. What would happen if I could create this? And so I began to see myself making quantum leaps in myself. I identified certain aspects that I did like about myself and certain things that I didn't enjoy. And I started going towards the ones that I enjoyed. I didn't fix the ones I didn't enjoy. Okay. I think this is a big thing. People want to fix what's wrong. Yeah. Can't ever do that. You just, you just, you just knew what was wrong. Yeah, I just knew I didn't enjoy it. I didn't even need to know why I didn't enjoy it. I just needed to know I didn't enjoy it. And as I began to study the science of the mind, I began to understand the conscious and the subconscious mind. And the conscious mind gets to choose to accept or reject ideas. The conscious mind does. The subconscious mind has all the acting parts. So whatever I choose to accept then I can activate a feeling inside of me. Mm-hmm. That feeling is already there. And I was used to accepting certain feelings and I was denying other ones. Right, okay. So a paradigm, a paradigm is a multitude of habits and beliefs. Right. And as I began to understand these habits and beliefs were not something that I designed for myself, they were things that were taught to me, things that I was programmed with. Yeah. And I didn't have the intellect when I was young to decide I don't want to believe that. No. I was just told that's what I'm supposed to believe. Yeah. So what happened in working with Bob is he asked, what, what do you want? Never been asked that before mm-hmm. on that level. What do you want in life? What do you want to be in life? Mm-hmm. And I was so overwhelmed by the question. It took me three months. Wow. But he did give me an idea. He said, why don't you turn your annual income into a monthly income? I do remember my cheeks turning red and being very angry because I thought, how could I turn an annual income into a monthly income when I'm working 10 to 12 hours every day? Yeah. How can I do that? And he said, don't worry about the who or the how. And I remember thinking, what do you mean? Don't worry about the who or the how. He said, I want you to write a story as if you were making 50 grand a month. Right. So I was turning, I was 49, turning 50. I I turned 49 and I made the decision. I'm going to pursue this goal. I want to turn my annual income into a monthly income. Mm. And my husband threw a birthday party for me. I had a bunch of friends there. And they asked me, what did I want to do this year around 
you know, the sun, my trip around the sun. And I said, I want to turn my annual income into a monthly income. I want to make 50 grand a month. Right. And I remember people were like, oh, yay. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> good luck you know? with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and everybody just kind of ignored me. And I was like, mm. wow, this is interesting. And so I realized I couldn't share my goal with other people. Okay. But Bob told me to write a story as if it's happening. And so I wrote the story, but my mind could only go so far. So I never left my house. I never left. What I did is, is that I thought if I was making $50,000, what would I love to do? Well, we got up out of the house every day by um, six, a quarter to six. Mm-hmm. And I we took the weekends off. So I wanted in my vision, what would happen if I could have coffee with my husband, which on the weekend was my favorite thing to do. Uh We would, we would get up and we would sleep in actually until about seven and we would get up and we would make coffee. (laughs) That was sleeping in for me. (laughs) Uh, We would get up and we would make a cup of coffee and we would read a book together. My absolute favorite thing to do. Mm. And we would discuss it and talk about it. And I I would have his attention and he would have my attention. It was just beautiful before the kids got up. And yeah. so I thought, what would happen if I was making $50,000 a month? I could have coffee on a Tuesday at seven o'clock. <laughs> right. Which was an impossibility yeah. in my mind. Right. And so I I wrote out the story as if it was happening now. When I did that, I started thinking I would really like to have coffee on a deck. And we didn't have a deck that I enjoyed. And I thought, what would happen if that deck was off of my bedroom and I had French doors that, so I moved my bed in my imagination. I moved it to the opposite wall and I put these French doors in, in my mind and I built a deck and I redid the landscape in our backyard and I had new patio furniture and the feeling of reading a book with my husband in the morning was just delightful. Mm. That feeling, not how we did it, but the feeling, I connected with a feeling I had never felt. Okay. And what, it was what, such what, a... Oh, sorry, pardon? Yeah, I was going to say, what did that feel like? It was a joy. It was a freedom. It was a, it was a, it was a decision. Mm-hmm. I wasn't being dictated to, I was dictating the narrative. Right. Telling your own story type thing. Yeah. I was telling my own story and I had not done that before. Mm. I lived in a reality of, you know, I live in a reality. This is how it is. Mm. But I started creating a different reality in my mind. Mm -hmm. And would you believe it or not, two months later, I turned my annual income into a monthly income. In two months. In two months. Wow. Now, a lot of people will ask me, what did you do? Can I just tell you, it doesn't matter what I did. I, I know that sounds wickedly awful, but it doesn't matter what I did. What was really powerful, and as I've helped people with goal achieving, is that I changed vibrationally within myself something different. Okay. I had a new feeling, a different feeling. And as I began to understand energy, we are energy beings. And we can essentially 
reshape the way we think and we will quantum phase in a new reality. And the reality is all that you can see. I mean, I think about my daughters when they were, you know, five and six, their favorite colors were rainbow Mm -hmm. and sparkle, you know, and they saw everything through, you know, my little pony and Barbies and, you know, everything. And that's the reality of how they saw life. They didn't Mm -hmm. see, they didn't see the dish, the dishwasher needed to be, you know, unloaded. They didn't see, Mm -hmm. you know, laundry had to be done. There need to be dusting. Someone had to feed the dog. You know, you got to think about paying the gas bill and the light bill and all of that. They weren't in that reality. They were in a different reality. Yeah. And so, what I was in was working hard for my money. That was the reality. And I was very detailed in that reality. Mm-hmm. And so when I started making 50000 or in my imagination, what would I be doing at 50000 mm. Well, I can tell you what I wasn't doing. I was no longer going grocery shopping. I was no longer cleaning the house. I was no longer making meals. I was no longer doing dishes. I was no longer doing that. So I actually started that idea. (laughs) So you didn't get your kids to do that, though. (laughs) Well, some of it was, but some of it was, if I was making $50,000, what would I be doing? Well, Mm. how would I be doing life differently? Yeah. And so I wrote that story out and I would have somebody come and clean my house. I would have somebody prepping my meal. I Mm. would have somebody um, doing the dishes. And so... In the beginning, I didn't have the money to do that. Mm -hmm. But what I did is I had a meeting with my family members. And the meeting was, I'm going to make some changes because I was staying home and I started studying myself. And as I was doing that, everyone would come in and mess up the kitchen. And then I would go clean the kitchen or I would do everybody's laundry. Mm -hmm. And I started realizing I had less and less time to study. And even though I was at work all the time and now I was at home, I was busy doing all the stuff because everyone saw me being at home. So I had a meeting and I said, everybody was in their late teens, early twenties. And I said, we're going to make some changes. (laughs) I am no longer going to do X, Y, Z. And my family looked at me like I was crazy. And I just said, I'm spending time here. I'm building a new, a new idea here. And I'm going to make 50,000 a month. Oh, everybody rolled their (laughs) eyes and you know, it's an interesting even thing my- that you you when you were working from you were like you said you were at home immediately people started to place certain expectations on you again, didn't they? Which is like you said, this is what had always happened before. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So I made a decision. I wasn't going to do that. I I put out my new self identity, how I wanted to identify myself, and I didn't try and solve that problem. All I said was, I will no longer do this. So you will have to find a way to do it. Mm -hmm. And our house got disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) They decided not to do it as well. (laughs) They didn't think I was serious. But when I made the decision, that was it. And so when I walked out of our business and my husband said, yeah, go. And I remember asking him, how much money would you like me to contribute out of my 50,000? And our combined income was five. And so he said, well, it would be good if you could, you know, contribute 2,500 each month. That would be lovely. Yeah. 
And so I said, okay, so I wrote that out of my script. I'm so happy and grateful now that I'm contributing 2,500 to my family and I, I get to keep the rest for myself. Yeah. And um, I remember studying and people come in after school and it would be a disaster in the kitchen. I would make myself my own meal. I would wash I would wash my own plate and put it away right. and they would come and say, when, when's dinner? And it was like, I don't, I don't <laughs> know. When you you make know. It. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I'm not making it. And yeah. finally Matt was like, who's going to cook. And I was like, not me. I, I don't know how you guys are going to arrange it, but I'm mm -hmm. not, I'm not in the round. I'm not mm -hmm. doing it anymore. Mm -hmm. People are coming up going, where's this, my, where's the shirt? Where's this? And I was I don't know who's doing your laundry. And it was like, <laughs> like they didn't understand. Yeah. I meant it. Yeah. So I ended up, I ended up for two months. It was sort of like that. And then I made 50 grand like overnight. And in what, in what context did you make the money? Because I guess you must've shifted from the business you were in. Yeah. When you moved into the coaching. Yeah. I was, I was studying with Bob and, and I was actually in a network marketing company. That's where I thought I was going to do it. Okay. And I ended up doing a retreat with about 25 women. I decided I'd been learning this. They'd been seeing my activity being quite different. And so they, I said, you know what? We could do a retreat. I was used to doing them at church. So I said, we could do a retreat. It was mm. a foreign thing for most of them, mm. but they paid me to do this retreat. And I had our restaurant, we owned a restaurant. So it did all the, the catering. So I paid our restaurant for that. And then I made about a thousand dollars out of it okay. for myself. Yeah. And from that thousand dollars, I remember the first thing I did was I hired a housekeeper. <laughs> right. And I told my family, she will only clean, she'll clean your room if it's picked up or your bathroom, if it's picked up, if it's not picked up, she won't clean it. Right. And so I said the same thing about the kitchen. The kitchen won't get a good scrub or the floor if things are down. So everybody, what I said is for one time, I'm going to do this one time. I got totes for everyone, put everything in the totes. And then I said, that's all I'm going to contribute. This is the last time. And so um, the housekeeper came and everyone loved it. And so it got to the point where everybody was on board with keeping their stuff cleaned up and the kitchen started getting cleaned up. Right. My husband was used to me being at the restaurant and he had this big catering and it, it was going to be an 18 hour day catering. Yeah. And I had talked to him before and said, you really need to hire somebody with this big catering that's coming up. And he says, well, I will, I will, I will. And he never, ever did it. And the day before the catering, he said, I'm going to need you to come in and help. And you said, and I said, no. <laughs> and I will tell you that was the hardest thing because I know the feeling I can almost get teary about it, but I know the feeling of working that hard to where, when you go to bed, even the sheets hurt. Right. And so I knew that I knew what was going to happen to him. And yeah. I said, no. And he said, you have to come in. I don't have anybody. And I said, that is not my cause and effect. And I started studying polarity and I started studying cause and effect. And I realized that he had plenty of time. He chose not to act on it. And if I would have gone in, I would have never been able to stand my ground again.
that paradigm of that that belief and that habit of me doing what other people say i had to stop it mm-hmm. and he he went there and i i have to be honest i probably spent most of the day crying on the couch knowing what he was going through i would study you know i was sitting in in the house and and i would go i would go outside and i would i knew he was angry i knew mm-hmm. he was mad mm-hmm. And I'd have to go back to a sitting, you know, having coffee at seven o'clock. I knew I was going to retire him. I just like, I knew all of these things, but he couldn't see it. It wasn't what he was living with. I would think about it all day long. That's all I would think about. So the second month of me making 50,000 and the kids didn't know, nobody talked about it. Everyone was angry. And of course, I gave twenty five hundred to my husband, and I kept the rest. <laughs> as you said, you would. <laughs> as I said, I would. And the first thing I did is I built new closets in my bedroom because right. I saw myself traveling. Mm-hmm. I saw myself as this coach, and I saw myself traveling. And the reason I got involved in coaching—sorry, we're sort of jumping all over—but mm. the reason I got involved in coaching is because I sat down and I did the numbers. I put fifty thousand dollars, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought I was going to do it in my network marketing, mm. but when I did the math, I have a calculator here really quickly. And if I took fifty thousand dollars a month and I divided it by what I would get on an auto ship divided yeah. by thirty-five dollars, I would have to have one thousand four hundred and twenty-eight people buying that product every single month direct to me. Right. And I had something like 50 and I was like, I don't want to do this. And so I just kept myself open. I kept trying to figure out how could I get 1,400 people um, direct to me. And that just seemed exhaustive. And I did this retreat and I started thinking, oh my gosh, what happens if I'm supposed to teach this material? Mm. And I had a mastermind group as I was with Bob's Bob's organization. And they said, you should become a coach. And I said, Oh, I could never do that. I don't know any, I don't know enough about this. Mm-hmm. You don't need to know the who or the how you just need to decide. And so anyhow, I ended up deciding, okay, well, this retreat was so amazing. Why don't I go ahead and and become a coach? I mean, I loved that in network marketing, sort of helping people. And so I wrote out this image of myself and I remember making a list of like 50 people. I talked to 27 and 27 or 12 said yes. And because I came into Bob's organization, I didn't have money to become a consultant. It was 24,000 Canadian at the time, at the time it was. And I didn't have the money, but one of the people that came to the retreat, she saw what a fantastic job I did and how it would help her own business. Mm -hmm. And so I said, could you loan me the money? I didn't, I didn't have any money myself. Right. And she said, I'll give you $8,000, but you have to pay it back in two weeks. Well, okay. She said, I never loan money. I don't Mm -hmm. ever loan money. So I said, okay. So I put the down deposit, uh, I put 8,000 down. From there, they let me start selling the program, even though I hadn't been through any of the training or anything. And so I made a list of, you know, 50 people, contacted 27, 12 said yes. And they had told me in the organization to charge $4,700 Canadian. So I did that. Mm-hmm. And, and all of a sudden, they said to me, you could become a consultant and have dinner with Bob. And I thought, oh my gosh, what would that be like to have dinner mm-hmm. with Bob? 
And I didn't know everyone else had four months to qualify. You only needed 10, but I had, I did it in less than a week. And so a week later, because it was closing, you had a, a, a time where you could qualify. It was closing. And so before I knew it, I had 50,000. I paid her back, paid for the rest of my program, bought a plane ticket and my air airline uh, ticket, um, a hotel and airline. And then I went and bought some clothes because the only thing I had was black and white. Right. So I wear lots of color because in the restaurant business, you have to wear black and white. And so I got new clothes. Yeah. And I got on the plane. I had never done that before in my life. But I can tell you, you're changing your mindset all the time. Mm. Like you have to go through these experiences and they're terrifying. And I I was doing it. I'd never flown by myself. I got a car that picked me up, took me to the hotel. I'd never done anything like that before. Mm-hmm. Met everybody in the lobby. They took us in limousines to Bob's house and we had dinner. Wow. <laughs> there was all these people that knew one another. And I was this new person and Bob was sitting right across the table from me. And he said, how long have you been studying this material? And I said, I haven't even taken the cellophane off of the wrapper yet to teach it yet. <laughs> and everyone at the table just stopped and looked at me and Bob was like, this is good. Yeah. You don't need to know the how you just need to move in that direction. And so I knew I would do a good job. I had been a pastor. I had been all these things. I just knew I needed to. I And so I, whatever, what I taught in the program, I was learning right along with everyone else, mm-hmm. but I was just expressing myself just like I was learning it with them. Mm-hmm. And so I made the 50,000 the first month and then the second month and my kids were getting a little bit, they, they didn't know I was cleaning the house, doing the laundry they weren't doing any of it. He was really doing all of it. Okay. So not not only was he running the restaurant, but now he was taking on everything else. Right. And the girls weren't helping. Oh. So they had an intervention and said, <laughs> said, Dad, we want we want to stand behind you. Mom is just an just absolutely awful. She's just staying in her jammies and studying all day and talking on Zoom. This is before Zoom was really even that well known. Yeah. And he he realized, oh my gosh, she did it. He hadn't realized it because he was caught in his own anger and his own frustration that mm. he didn't realize it. And as the girls were making me wrong, he was like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. She went after what she wanted and she was committed to it. And so he finally said, you have no idea what your mother did. And all of a sudden he shifted into this different person. And he said, do you realize your mother has made $50,000 two months in a row? And everyone shut their mouth. And they were like, what? And he said, yeah, she really did it. And I remember almost shaking because I was in this new new paradigm of one, my old world and my new world were colliding at this moment. Mm. And I wasn't quite this and I wasn't quite this anymore. And so something new had to emerge out of it. And all of a sudden my daughters saw me different, but the same and their language and their everything began to change. And that was a hard thing to see my daughters see me differently, not because of who I am, but what I did. 
And that was profound to me. Right. And I realized that I have to be happy. It wasn't, they weren't happy with that. I had changed my mind. They were happy with the results, Yeah. but they didn't understand the power that I had reprogrammed myself. Mm. So after I made 50,000 three times in a row, mm. the old paradigm came back of you have to work really hard for your money. Okay. And all of my religious beliefs about money, all rich people are going straight to hell. They're selfish people. Right. Everything happened. And I went, right on the floor and I was paralyzed and I hadn't done the long-term work. I had just done a short-term thing. And I think this is what happens to people when they, they reach a goal, they're excited about their goal, but then the reality of, wait a minute, I've changed myself Yeah, and you don't belong there and you don't belong here. Yeah. And I lost my voice for six weeks. Wow. Now I'm a singer, so okay. I've never lost my voice yeah. ever. Yeah. So my voice was lost because I needed to be quiet. I needed to, what I was speaking about, my paradigm was making it so that I wouldn't talk. So I had laryngitis for mm -hmm. six weeks. And then I got shingles just before my birthday, because my birthday was 50,000 a month. Mm -hmm. And I got shingles, which were really painful. And shingles, if you look at the energy of why you would attract it or why it came into your life, it really was about not feeling good about myself. I was not good. I was going into a new era of myself. Mm -hmm. And then I just got a hold of myself and I said, that's it. You're this person. Let's get on with it. Mm -hmm. I kept studying myself. I kept going forward. And pretty soon I started making 50,000 a month, every single month. And then I thought, what happens if I could do it twice a month? Mm -hmm. And what happens if I could do it three times a month? And before I knew it, I was a millionaire and I had no idea I had become a millionaire. <laughs> and you just didn't know. <laughs> I just didn't know. Yeah. And when you look at the house, I showed you a picture of my house that mm -hmm. I became a millionaire in. Yeah. It doesn't look like a millionaire house, but... Mm -hmm. My identity hadn't, I had been working and doing what I was doing so much and working on my mindset that the physical, I didn't know how to live in the physical life yet. Mm. I've been living in the spiritual and the intellect part of it, but I didn't know how to really live in the physical. Mm. And I remember going and getting, going to the dentist and getting some work done. And I was going to stop and get something at the natural food store and all of those things. Uh, Cause I stopped grocery shopping. Right. Mm. But I went by myself. And um, it had been almost about a year and I went to pay for the dentist and I didn't know where the money was. You know, when you don't know where your money is and I didn't know if there was going to be enough on the credit card or I didn't know if there'd be enough in my bank account because I hadn't thought about uh, it translating there. Yeah, yeah. So I was there going to pay for it and I was freaking out trying to call my husband, where's the money? Where's the money? And I was so upset and he didn't call me back. And so I had gone to the health food store as well. And I didn't know, I tried a different card because even though I could pay, it went through, but I thought I probably used all the money. So mm. now I'm going to put it on this card. Right. And I was just freaking out. And he called me and he said, well, sorry, I was busy doing something. What can I, what can I help you with? 
And I said, I don't know where the money is. I don't know where it is. And I was just, you didn't tell me where I could pull the money from. And he stopped and he was really kind. And he said, we don't live there anymore, Angie. We don't live there. Right. And it dawned on me, I'm a millionaire. I've forgotten. But the yeah. old memory of it, because I hadn't been at the till before. Yeah. hadn't been at checkout before. Okay. I guess it's so, quite, quite intangible, wouldn't it, to your to your mind initially when you've come from the space where you always functioned from yep. into that new space. And like you said, it wasn't like you were consciously thinking how much money you were earning, where that money was. It was something you were still stuck in that old paradigm, that old mindset. Yep. That where, is next, where is the next bit of money coming from and have I got enough to do this? I was sweating, like uh-huh. sweating shaking i don't want to be embarrassed you know i part of my mind knew that i was making money but part of it i didn't i didn't know where the money went to because my husband always dealt with that and i had actually retired him from working so he was you know we sold our restaurant and and he was just so he was there whenever we went anywhere he paid for everything like he he took care of everything so i never had to do it on my own Mm And whenever I traveled, I always had such a sick feeling when I traveled that I started carrying with me $3,000 in cash. Like, I, you won't know that. But anyhow, I started doing that just because of the fear of not having it because yeah. I just didn't understand physically what was happening. Like, my mind could not grasp how quickly I was growing, yeah. if that makes sense. But I loved what I was doing. It's interesting as well that you got you let that control stay with your husband. That you didn't like you were the one that was earning. You were the one that set your mindset. You were the one that said, "I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to earn this type of money." But you didn't take control of that money. You let that money be controlled by someone else. I did absolutely. I did. Mm. So the interesting thing is, is that you would think earning 50,000 or 100 or 150,000 a month would be just fantastic for your marriage. (laughs) Uh, It wasn't. (laughs) Because the paradigm for my husband was, I'm the provider. His whole life, he heard these messages. I'm the provider. I'm the protector. I'm the person. He was never one that he was never, it's interesting, the paradigm that you bring this up, I haven't really thought about that. But he was never one to want to control the money. He mm. he was always, what do you want me to do with it? You know, that's mm. kind of the philosophy that he had. What do you, what do you want us to do with it? And I finally told him, I don't, I, I know you're going to deal with it. Okay. Like, I know that. Mm. And, but when he, he started coming into this thing of being, the person that didn't know who he was because he wasn't the cause and effect of money. And it really played on his Mm self-image. And so decisions that he would want to make or decisions that I would want to make, like if we were going to go buy furniture and I had this vision in my mind, because I worked on my vision all the time. And I would say, I would want to get that couch. And he was like, no, it's too much money. And I would say, no, we're (laughs) getting it. No, we're getting it. We're doing it. And he, his self-image took a long time to change. I felt comfortable in what I was doing, but he hadn't caught up either. Mm. So he had to start working on his mindset. Everything's going to be okay. But for a while he was, he was really struggling with, I'm not creating this cause and effect. Mm. 
So when we were getting ready to move into our other house, he, I went to go see this house and he was really angry about, you know, wanting to go see such a house. The story of getting into this house is really, it's another day, but when we came into this house, he was really angry. He didn't even remember coming into the house, but I walked into the house because I had been working on the vision of my mm. life. And when I walked in, it was the right vibration. It was the right feeling yeah. for what I had been imagining. Yeah. It wasn't, it, it was the feeling was the right feeling, but all he knew is that the price, we went from a $400,000 home to a $1.7 million home. And he was like, that is too big of a jump. And it was like, no, it's not. Mm. <laughs> And so we had this little discussion because this is what I wanted. And I'm very goal driven like this. I understand goals now. I didn't understand them before, but I understand a goal is not to get. A goal is to help you grow. And I understood that my ability to circulate and help people, I wanted to grow into this identity, not to accumulate, but no longer did, you know, $50 or $100 motivate me for change. It was understanding the circulation of things. And it wasn't about accumulation. I think this is a really funny thing about people and money. People look at money as getting things, but it's not. It's about circulating your, your, your ability to communicate with other people. And the challenge of being able to help and serve people. I don't do it for money. Mm. I do it so that I can know the feeling of doing it with that kind of impact. And does and, that, that, that change? Because initially your your goal was money oriented, yeah. wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, it was. I Actually, the money represented freedom to me. That's what it represented. Okay. And if the money doesn't have a place to go, money comes where it's it's loved and it stays because mm-hmm. it comes where it's resonant and resonant resonance, but then it stays where it's loved. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean the love of money; it means the love of what you what you want in your life. Mm-hmm. And money is just an exchange of energy. That's all it is. And I find with most people, when it comes to money, they are very good at at helping people. Every person I've ever asked, what do you want to do? What, what would you love to do? And they'll say, I want to help people. Mm -hmm. I want to help people. And so they'll go out and they'll help people. And then they don't get a return on all that help. So they're giving, 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 and their life is getting more and more depleted. Mm -hmm. And then there's this natural law of understanding the law of gestation, which is never about time. People believe that gestation is about time. It's not. Mm. It's about your ability to gather new evidence. And so when you're going out to get that new evidence, that's called masculine energy. It's like, if you think about an egg and sperm, the the sperm is moving forward. That's masculine Mm. energy. It's not male energy. It's just masculine energy. Mm. And the, the feminine energy is the egg and receivership. Right. And so most of us are giving, 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 and we're not good at receiving. Yeah. We don't understand our value of receiving because of our energy of giving. And when you have something that's constantly giving, 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 you're depleting Mm. yourself. And so I, I understood how energy works and how it's attracted and money no longer is about money for me. Mm. It is about understanding how I can articulate and attract but I've also got to be good at receiving. Mm. This is a very hard concept for people because we believe we're going to, the receivership is, 
is something of feeling good, but love does not pay the rent. Love does not pay the mortgage. Love does not pay. Mm -hmm. Love does not pay for vacations. Trust me, it doesn't. You've got to be able to understand that money isn't about dollars and cents. It's an exchange of energy. I'm going to give and I'm going to graciously receive. Mm. Money is a, an amazing thing because you can put your energy in it and receive it back. And now you can transmute that energy into something you would love. It's a transmutable thing that happens. Mm. And the dollar has no meaning. You can rip that paper up. The, it, there is no meaning about it until you put meaning in it. Yeah. And so the dollar then just becomes the meaning of the energy exchanged. And once I understand, and I think this is what wealthy people really understand is that they understand my level of understanding. I'm willing to help you, but I'm going to willingly receive not because I want your money, but because you finally value what you are learning. And this is why a lot of things, boy, I'm, I might stir up a bee's nest here. But um, when people talk about nonprofit organizations, they talk about they should want this. We want to help them because they're in the state and they should want it. And so we give and give and give. And very few people actually receive it and do something with it. They will continue to take because that's their source. Mm-hmm. And they don't understand they're the empowering source, not the organization. And people will give. I have spoken to so many people in, in nonprofit organizations that are so burnt out because they give and give and give. And there's no receivership back. Mm. There's no change. They just keep giving and giving and giving. Mm. And until we understand the personal empowerment of each person, we're, we're not going to get this until we understand masculine and feminine energy. And we have been in a very masculine driven world. And I'm not talking male, mm. not talking about male. This is why we're having a lot of issues yeah. right now with masculine and feminine energy and identity and everything is because we've been in masculine energy for so long, not male, masculine. And now we're learning to receive. We're learning mm. to take in new ideas about ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's very convoluted right now because we're doing it on many, many levels. Mm. We're doing marriage. Marriage is something very difficult to understand right now. Yeah. But marriage is really about the partnership of masculine and feminine energy, not male and female. Mm. So for instance, if my if if in my husband and I's relationship, he has been the masculine energy because he was taught. Yeah. I have to say, I'm the head of the family, da-da-da-da-da. These were people's ideas that he followed. And I'm the feminine energy. I was told I'm submissive. I'm supposed to be this person. Then I'm here for a long time and I can get very, very depleted. Mm. And a lot of women are very, very depleted. And a lot of men are very depleted. Very depleted. Because there's no there's no shift within your own energy space, is there? There's no shift. Mm. And so what I found out is in this moment when I was depleted, there was nothing more to give. I came up here and I said, this is how I want to live my life. And my husband said, that isn't how it works. Mm -hmm. And I said, but that's what I want. And all of a sudden we did this. And what happened is I held my thing here to where my husband came down here in feminine energy and said, okay, I'll surrender to your idea. You're getting results. I'll surrender to the idea. I don't like it, but I'll surrender. And then there was times where I really needed his support and I would come down in the feminine energy and say, 
I need some help here. And he would say, you just told me to come down here. <laughs> so we were just down here and I would say, yeah. I know, but I need some help or support. And he was like, I'm not going to help or support you yeah. in this. So inevitably someone else, I'd have to bring someone else in to help me. And then he said, wow, I don't, if you're down here and who's up here, other people are running our life. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, no, they're not running my life. I'm just needing support. And then all of a sudden he would say, okay, I, I will come up here and support you. Yeah. And this was clunky for a while. Yeah. Like we would do this and then we do this and then we do this. And then finally we started finding this beautiful balance and this flow. And not knowing it's okay for you to both shift in and out of that space. Yeah. Like said, so when, you, were taught, you were taught for so many years that you had to stay in this energy. This was your space. And then like you, it's just then learning that you, you both of you will need to. And I think it's, it's essential that we shift in, in and out of masculine and feminine energy. I think what our parents did for us in putting us in certain roles was Matt, I honestly believe Matt operates more in a feminine energy but he was forced to do masculine. Mm -hmm. He wasn't really happy with himself because making decisions all the time and controlling things, he didn't like the feeling of it. Yeah. I probably am more of a leader and I have a lot more masculine energy. I love, I love expressing it, but I was forced to do feminine mm -hmm. and I didn't really enjoy that either. Yeah. So when you're in those two spaces and you start switching them around, I mean, I'm so grateful for Matt. Now marriage makes sense to me, but mm -hmm. it didn't for a long time. Right. And you have to know that each person is a leader in their own life. There isn't a leader, but, but each person is a leader in their own life. But when you come in relationship, you have to understand who you are in the relationship. Mm -hmm. So there's times that I'll come to Matt and I'll say, I want to talk to you about idea. And he has to be, he has to be okay in the receivership. I'm ready to hear your idea. Mm -hmm. I have to ask him and he has to, he has to be able to come in and say, yes, I'm willing to listen to you. Yeah. And sometimes in our relationship, when I've come to him with an idea and he hears that he gets excited and inspired and he comes up here and he, he starts straight up over and, <laughs> and, and then he's trying to force me down here. And it's like, wait yeah. a minute, this was my idea. Yeah. Can you just be in receivership right now and hear me out? And then when I feel like I've said what I've needed to and he's, and he's been there, then I'll say, do you have any thoughts for you? And he'll say, yes. And shift. And then we shift. And now I'm the follower and he's the leader. Yeah. And you have to know who you are in the conversation and you have to learn to become a request of other people. And we don't know how to do that. We believe we have an entitlement, yeah. a right yeah. All of these things, but listen, I can ignore your energy. I, I understand. Listen, I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole, yeah. but so I've learned to say, that's not for me. Yeah. I've learned to be able to stand my ground, but I've also learned when I'm in a relationship with somebody, I find out, can we do this balance? Mm. Even as you and I have taught, mm. it's what I've been looking for is, can we shift? Can we shift in our energy when we speak? Mm. I don't normally come on podcasts, but no. I felt really good about this podcast, even though I wasn't sure what I was going to talk about. <laughs> well, thank you very much for making the exception. And we could talk <laughs> for hours. Um, we, yeah. we, we, we are going to have to stop soon, I'm afraid. But 
I'm just the interesting in case I can't get you back on the show is <laughs> is the the profound changes that you went through the profound losses that you experienced I mean again it's a very hypothetical space but if you hadn't gone through those you're you probably wouldn't have had the realizations and this and moved into the maybe as a sense of space of self-awareness mm-hmm. because maybe your life would have always been controlled by the reality of others so it's interesting that no matter how difficult um that would have been for you to experience so many losses that your life you wouldn't have maybe found yourself if those hadn't have happened there is a there is a um a, a law, a physics law, that the universe abhors a vacuum. It does not like a vacuum. Right. And when there's loss, there's the Chinese have a symbol for crisis. It it can either mean danger or it has danger in it and opportunity in it. Mm-hmm. That's what a crisis is. Right. And depending on where your mindset is, you'll see it either as a crisis or a, an opulent opportunity. And for some reason in that point in all of that loss there was a vacuum and it would be easy for the old paradigm to come in and fill it with other things and there was a lot there was a lot of things that did get filled in even though my parents left in in all reality i love bob bob proctor i will forever give him tribute but even for me to go in and work in his organization was I allowed another masculine energy to come in and dictate to me, this is how it has to be. He didn't dictate, but I mean, I allowed to be in his organization and follow yeah. what he was doing. And, and then I gave, had that, to stand up. gave that power to him. Yeah. And I learned that I had to take that back and say, no, I'm going to coach the way I want to. I'm going to um, create a program for myself but I I gained so much wisdom and knowledge from him in the time I needed to be in the feminine and he was in the masculine but then it came to a point where I said I'm ready to change and he said it's time for you to go yeah that's that's a great leader a great leader knows the masculine and feminine energy and acknowledging what's right for you isn't exactly it? Than trying to hold on to one of these star salespeople, I guess <laughs> Yeah, he said. No, actually, the the better space for you is to do what you need to do. When somebody can look at you without their ego and say, "It is your God given right to do that. Go. You need to go. I bless you. I send you with the best joy. I release you. I untangle from you. I will always be connected to Bob. Mm-hmm. I will always be connected to him, and um, I'm forever grateful for everything that I learned. It didn't come from him; it came through him. Mm-hmm. The energy was already here. He just found a way to articulate it. Mm-hmm. Listen, none none of this stuff comes from me, nor you. It that's ego saying that it comes from us. It doesn't. It's already here in the universe. We're just connecting it all together, and that's what makes a group consciousness. And we're we're really headed into very fast paced group consciousness right now, like very, very fast. We did a tipping scale when COVID happened and it's going to happen again and again and again. Mm. We're going to move into new parts of us. We're going to awaken new ideas of ourself. And it's such a beautiful thing. And it's not a, a crisis is either danger or opulent opportunity. And we're going to see two worlds come apart over the next few years Mm. where there's going to be people that will stay in the crisis and people that will see the opulent opportunity. Mm. And you've, you get to decide. 
that's, the, that's, 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 that's the thing isn't it that's the, what you yeah. did you opened up your mind to the idea of change and what was right for you moving forwards i think in general because of maybe the negativity bias and stuff that our brain has yeah. it's quite hard for most people to go and do what you did and open your mind up to see crisis as an opportunity uh yep. rather than as something that's kind of befallen them or something the best thing you can do is ask yourself what would i love find someone that is doing or acting or being what you would love and go study them mm-hmm. not study what they do study how they think and most people were so caught up in the physical we live on the spiritual the intellect and the physical but you've got to be in alignment on all three levels. You've got to be in the same vibration in all three levels. Mm. And this is where people are in one vibration in the spiritual. They want wish hope intellectually. They're caught in the past and then they're confused and they don't take action. Mm. And we're not integral with ourselves. We're a bag of cats. We're just, these three energies are in there just fighting and it can really, it can really, cause a lot of harm within us mm. until we get integral and in one vibration within ourself. Mm. And that means you've got to get real with yourself. And we want other people to tell us what to do. And until you learn who you are and you come inside, this is why relationships are difficult because we don't know who we are as individuals. Mm-hmm. And we ask the other person to fill in the gaps for us. That's not their job. Mm. The job is to be whole and yours is to be whole and you cooperate together. Yeah. Most of us are not whole. No, I guess that's the problem with kind of childhood, isn't it? Because growing up to be validated by your parents or growing up to be validated by your caregivers or people around you and, and you don't learn to validate yourself or even know, like you said, what it is that you, who you are and what you want. And there is that complex conflict within us at times where we can't marry those up. I think if I could be just a little on edge, a little mouthy right now Mm. (laughs) is I believe we are wanting to help one another, but we have such a codependency in our world that we don't know how to be whole. Mm. And so right now in the coaching industry, we have lots of people who have information, but they don't understand transformation because we have a lot of people who want to coach to tell people what to do. We had teachers that went to school and told us what to do, masculine energy. But we don't, as coaches, really know how to help people balance the masculine and feminine. We think if they go through our program, they're going to be fixed. They're going to be wonderful. And it really isn't about you. It isn't really about your way of doing it. It's about the other person experiencing an unfolding of themselves. So I have a very big goal in mind in helping coaches move from information to transformation. People, I'm going to swear, I hope that's okay, but people don't give a shit about what you know. They (laughs) don't care. They don't care what you know. All they care about is, can you help me? And if you haven't helped yourself and you don't have the results of helping yourself, how on earth can you do it for another person? Your results will always tell the truth. So we have a lot of broke coaches trying to give information and people are tired of information. We're at an age where we don't even, we don't even pay teachers enough money because we we're, we're tired of information. We're tired of going to doctors for information. We're, we're done with information. We're in an age of transformation. 
So you want to find a coach that understands self and understands what it is that you want to do, not how they think you should do it. And if you got to ask yourself these questions, do I know what I want? And if I know what I want, and this is someone who's acting and understanding that, then I want to figure out how to work with that person. It's not about what they do. It's about how they think. And if you aren't clear on your thinking, you need to start working on your thinking. Thought energy is the fastest energy. It's faster than the speed of light. And we, this is our God-given right, and we don't know how to turn it on. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to turn it on. We haven't been taught. We have a lot of information. We just don't understand transformation yet. And this is our new, our new age. We went from an industrial age to a technological age, and now we're in the age of service. And this is so key to understand how we're going to be changing things so quickly because of the age of service. And so to know self I think is the greatest thing to unlearn, relearn, and to learn, unlearn, and relearn mm-hmm. is our greatest gift we can have right now. Yeah. And to just keep going through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we, again, we could carry on this conversation because there's so many questions that are popping into my head uh, around <laughs> that, 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 that in itself. Um, because again, there's, there's a societal thing, I think, as well, you know, that we've, think we've got that we've got that all wrong in a way because there's so many self-centered selfish um people out there at the moment i think because we were there's there's there was a shift from being told what to do to then kind of being able to just do what you wanted to do (laughs) with with no real boundary and no structure to to what that looks like and and i think there's been this massive shift and there's a big thing that I read about in social media and stuff all the time about people are just thinking about self all the time. And I, I think you, you know, you have to think about self. You have a hundred percent, but it's, it's about how you do that. Isn't it? It's not about being selfish and self-centered and, uh, and just thinking about, it's about that. Like you said, that exchange of energy between giving and receiving and, but actually knowing yourself and knowing what you want and where you're going without, feeling entitled and you used the word earlier on that everything that you you kind of that you should have everything and and i think it's like you said about your kids it was like when you said i'm not doing this anymore they were like yeah oh yeah you are (laughs) yeah no i'm not yeah yeah (laughs) i I do want to say just one thing about that because this is it's like right on the the cusp of really i think a big understanding is that i do believe it is very it, it is a, it is a very good thing to be selfish mm. understand self it is very very good but when you have ignorance with entitlement mm. that's not that's not the right that's not the right thing and we have a lot of really ignorant people and i don't mean that in a derogatory way ignorant just means a lack of awareness mm-hmm. we have many many people who have a lack of awareness of self but they have an entitlement of self mm-hmm. That that's not the same thing. And you have to call me this. And I demand that you no, you don't need anyone to call you that you need to do it for yourself. Mm. And it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Go on and be who you are. And right now we're developing language to say this, but we're doing it in a really, I find violent way. 
And we don't need to do it violent like that. We can, we, I think we can be very good by asking questions of another self mm. and be in receivership of what, how they would like to express themselves. Mm. doesn't mean you have to be in agreeance, no. but you can be a part of helping them discover in self-discovery, but mm. our ego won't allow us to do that because, well, if it, that's not right for me, then it can't be right for you. There is, um, Last thing, I swear, this is the last thing. But in one of the things that I read in Robert, Coll or um, sorry, Neville Goddard's book, which I really love. I love Neville Goddard if you've ever read any of his, but he has a book called Awakened Imagination. And he talks about um, imagination, the use of imagination, which we are lacking in that terribly. But he said, um, he said in here, um, in, in the first chapter, he said, I know of no greater or truer definition of imagination than that of Blake. By imagination, we have the power to be anything we desire to be. Through imagination, we disarm and transform the violence of the world. And I thought about that. How do we disarm and transform the violence of the world? When we have a suppression of where we want to go because we care what other people think, we get very angry. Mm. But it's up to you to get to that place. It's not up to other people. That's an entitlement. Mm. And so when you are codependent on other people telling you how you are, and that's the world that we're living in right now, is a lot of codependency. I don't know who I am unless you acknowledge me how I want to be. Mm. That's it. No, that's the problem. Yeah. It is acknowledging yourself and being able to be that light in the world, and you will attract from that light you're mm. not entitled to it you attract from it you mm. you you are a vibrational match for it so yeah. there we go <laughs> <laughs> angie thank you so much for your time welcome. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure listening to you today um so much to share um such as such a story as well to share and again thank you for coming on to the to the show and i know you don't do podcasts very often so uh, it's been an absolute privilege having you here thank you take care thank you for listening please subscribe follow and review the show that is very much appreciated and please do reach out if you would like to know more about how you can create healthy intimate relationships in your life i will leave you with this quote from carl bond Although we can't go back and make a brand new start, we can start now and make a brand new ending. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Relationship Guide.